0: Are the Chicago Bears finally ready to compete? Who wins the battle of the juggernauts between the Cowboys and 49ers? All that here on NFL Kickoff Live. Welcome, everybody, to NFL Kickoff Live. It's the best hour of football talk every single Friday. We'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every game, and we'll get local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me is Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. And let's go, guys, straight to Thursday Night Football, where finally, 14 games later after a 14 game losing streak the Bears finally broke through they got a 40 to 20 win over the Washington commanders so wow we need to talk about whether or not Matt Everflus might have saved his job
1: yeah I think one of the things that you have to really take a look at is like to, to me watching paying atten- some close attention to this situation I don't think what's changed? Like all last night did was just say to me that the fact that they don't know how to coach because we talked about the adjustment period last year, seven games in until they figured out Justin Fields is an athlete and he can throw the football and you call him, um, design runs for him. But this, this last night just proved to me that, Hey, this this team had a level of expectation coming to this season, and they did not meet those. And like you said that that, and they ended that fourteen game losing streak because, mm-hmm. like the coaches have been inept, inept, and they have basically. Hurt Justin Fields a lot more than they actually helped him, and that is truly unfortunate. I know they didn't. This regime didn't draft him, but they mm-hmm. didn't do anything to help this guy, you know, be able to flourish. And it's from a play calling standpoint, and the offensive scheme and system, and how they're coming up with game plans. But you saw that last night, and I feel, and it it really feels to me. I don't know how you feel about this Kyle, but it really feels to me like Luke Getsy is kind of like. Having some on-the-job training, trying to figure things out. It was like, okay, let me pull this play from here. Let me pull this. So I saw this; it may work for him. But I want him to kind of. It's almost kind of seemed like he's trying to force feed what the type of system that he wants to run instead of kind of catering his system to what Justin Fields want needs to do in it and for him to be successful.
2: On well, case in point, J.D., like you reflect on the acclimation period last year, mm-hmm. and then you get. Mm-hmm month and a half into the season, and it's like, oh, Justin Fields is really good at running the ball. We should run the ball with Justin Fields. And then they spent (laughs) the entire offseason, and they came back out, and they're like, yeah, we don't want to run the ball with Justin Fields. We want to be a passing team, is what it felt like, in spite of Mm -hmm. like bringing in these running backs and Roshan Johnson and Donta Foreman, and at the end of the day, like, your offense worked down the stretch at times last year because Justin Fields was as effective as he was. And he challenged for the quarterback single season rushing record. If he didn't get hurt, he probably would have got it. So to not have that be a a component of your offense in any capacity, Mm -hmm. I think makes JD's point. And there's like this disconnect between who we have, what we want to be, what we actually are, where we're going, what direction we're all rowing. And, at the end of the day, like I, I do think it takes some of the heat off, yeah. because of you know you blew it what a twenty-eight to three or whatever it was lead last right. week against Denver, but you've now played two of the softest defenses in the league. You're going to play Minnesota this next week, upcoming. Then you got the Raiders. Like you have a few more soft defenses. The Chargers are the week after that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're to build some momentum now, and I think yeah. that's what's going to save this job, not just getting off the fourteen loss streak.
0: Yeah, I feel like the seat was on fire before last night. Now, maybe the seat is just hot. It's not on fire quite anymore. But I don't think he's anywhere near safe, if you will, Matt Everflews. And I also think it's interesting, Kyle, you made a great point there just to kind of go along with what Jarvis was saying, meaning like, hey, we're not convinced quite yet that this you know, ship is sailing in the right direction. And that is, in addition to them blowing the lead last week, they almost blew the lead last night. This was right. a twenty three to three game that looked like it was over for the commanders. And all of a sudden it was like, did Sam Howell wake up or did the Bears just go to sleep? And for me, it felt more like the Bears went to sleep as opposed to. um all of a sudden, Airbnb and his offense figured it out, and to me, that's kind of the challenge, if you will. And I'm so, so sorry that you know Jarvis Kyle tried to throw you under the bus with that
1: 28 to three,
0: but moving right along, uh, the 23. i mean, to three. I'll, I'll that. I don't
1: think he. I don't think it was intentional. Wanted, I don't think it was.
0: You don't think he wanted <laughs> to trigger you? Okay, just kidding, Kyle. The real talk. That 23 to three seemed like a solid lead until it wasn't, right? And then. Of course the, the Bears go on to win and win big but I don't think that it should have ever gotten to that point so I have to agree with you guys that it's simply not a foregone conclusion that all is well in the Windy City and that all is well with Eberflus.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know I've been, I we can't leave out Ryan Poles too because I think he he has some, sure. some 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 he's some culpability in this as well because when you think about the, the, we just got the news of uh, Chase Claypool being traded for a a, a six round pick from yeah. You got a six round pick in return for him, but you traded a second round pick for this third yep. <laughs> second overall pick. <laughs> yeah, you know which is I'm almost saying. like late <laughs> first round
0: versus Yeah,
1: from a, a Steelers team that has. Had some of the craziest wide receivers ever. <laughs> One in, in Antonio Brown. Like we didn't hear about a lot of that stuff that was going down in that locker room until after I the fact, that. until he was long gone. Yeah. But if they decide, Mike Thomas saying, "You know what? I can't do nothing with you. Get you up out of here." That means it is bad, and that mean also means that the talent level isn't worth keep putting up with your stuff as well. So I think yeah. that you know Ryan Poles is, is is a part of this situation too, and I think that. You know he can't get credit for Justin Fields because he didn't draft him. So I mm-hmm. think a lot of times with general managers, you know they give they're giving some grace until they draft their guy, right? And if that guy mm-hmm. that as far as their quarterback goes, it, it's going to work out, then their jobs can have a little bit of safety. So yeah, I mm-hmm. think if we're going to put Fluce on on a, feet to the fire, which I should like what look like they should be, I we definitely have to put Ryan Poles feet to the fire because. He has made some decisions as far as spending money and making trades that they just aren't adding up right now.
0: Yeah, and this some people it, will put. Go ahead, Kai.
2: Let's to say this is where you do have to be careful, though, because I agree with everything JD said, and it, it is factual. Executives and coaches—they're going to come in there say, "Well, I want to get my guy. You know, I'll try to make it work, but I'm not going to get until I get my guy." That's how team like Chicago wins the division uh, one, two, three times since 2005 because it's. <sighs> you draft a quarterback and the co- it doesn't work with the coach and then you fire the GM. So then the GM comes in and he hires a new coach and then they do it for two years and they say, well, I want to get my guy a quarterback. So then they get rid of the quarterback and the team still doesn't make the next step. So then you fire the coach and then the next year it doesn't expand the way that you want it to. Then you fire the GM and a new GM comes in and a year after that says, oh, I want to get my guy a quarterback. And it's like, it's this toxic cycle where you just circle the dream continuously of just Mm -hmm. chasing your own tail. Mm -hmm. But I think with how bad it's been in Chicago, this is one of those situations where unless they do build some serious momentum, like you're not really going to have a lot of choice other than to wipe the slate clean,
3: Mm -hmm. bring everything
2: in at the same time and try to do it right that way. Because if you go back to when Justin Fields was drafted, it was Matt Nagy in the last year of his regime. there trying to save his job by getting a quarterback. And it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So like you've had this lack of continuity and lack of connection and cohesiveness from the start with Justin Fields.
0: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of kind of a clusterfuffle and you're not quite sure what to think of it, I kind of think about going just a little bit. Further south, but still in the Midwest, and that's the Indianapolis Colts, because sometimes you really have to shake your head or scratch your head about what it is that GM Chris Ballard is doing when you guys are talking about, you know, GMs and kind of some of those front office moves or kind of the front office back and forth like the Colts had with Jonathan Taylor. So work is, of course, now that he's returned to practice for the Colts. Is it a here for now situation? Do you guys feel like they've resolved what they needed to resolve, Kyle? Or do you feel like this is just kind of a step in a direction, but you don't know, A, what direction it is, and B, if it's really going to matter in the general scheme of things. Now, granted, I want to put a little caveat in there. We get that they are two and two, like pretty much the rest of the whole AFC South. So we don't know how much it matters at this point. But again, is it just one of those where it's more of a bandaid over the problem than it is a solution? I think it's a step.
2: Uh, I, I still think the fact that if you're gonna try to make this work throughout the course of this season, you can mm-hmm. separate yourself far enough from it. Yeah. But as I look at this situation from Jonathan Taylor's perspective, and I look at the alternatives, they say, I'm gonna contract here. I'm trying to get a new contract. Look what happened to Josh Jacobs and his franchise tag and him rushing for negative two yards on nine carries against the Bills and what that season's going like. Look at what happened with Saquon Barkley getting his franchise tag and a marginal uptick in incentives and now getting hurt and it not working out well for her. It's like, I got to play, right? Like at the end of the day, I can't afford to sit out mm-hmm. because what my contract's going to toll and I'm going to be back on the last year, my rookie contract again next year. Like if the Colts don't want to play ball at the end of this year, I got to do what I got to do, whether it's in Indianapolis or somewhere else, yeah. we'll figure that part out later. But I got to try to drive up my value because these other guys that got the franchise tag, they've had extenuating circumstances that have really cut their seasons down from the knees so far.
1: Mhm. Yeah. yeah. And to add to that, um Kyle, I think that when you think about where the Colts are right now, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone thought that the the Colts would be sitting at the top of the division, you know, a right. month into the season, right? Because right. I think that would that, that that award would have gone to the Jacksonville Jaguars because Indeed. just given all the things that they did last year and then kind of moving into this season and all the additions that they had and during the offseason, so I really think that it's gonna benefit both parties, meaning the Indianapolis Colts and like um Kyle just laid out for Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. High benefits the Colts is because of where they are in the division. That potentially, um, I don't think Anthony Richards. People have thought Anthony Richards would be playing this well this early on. To you know, obviously he had the concussion and everything like that. But mm-hmm. I, I really feel like this is an opportunity for them to hey, maybe this AFC South division is up for grabs. Maybe there's an opportunity for us to kind of take advantage of that. And then you know, yeah. once things gets going, once things gets going, y'all get into a nice little win streak, and we're coming up on a trade deadline, and a, and a uh, another team sees that value that Kyle talked about, they see that value like, okay, John Taylor still got it. All right, he's healthy. Mm -hmm. He's been able to stay on the field for a little while. Then that's when, okay, then we can have some real conversation about making that trade because you know you're not going to pay him. So I think it's just a matter of both parties are now saying, "Okay, we're here, come to the table. We both need each other. Now yeah. it's time to go ahead, and win some games, and then once a, a, a situation comes about that that benefits the both of us from a trade standpoint, then hey, then let's make a deal."
2: And just yeah. real quick, we'll we'll find out a lot about this Colts team over the next two weeks because they play yep. Tennessee this week and at Jacksonville mm-hmm. next week. So, mm-hmm. like we're talking about this AFC South cluster. Fluffle? Is that? Is that oh,
1: cluster Cluster fluffle. this broadcast <laughs> is
2: cluster Cluster yes. and, and there'll be a little bit of separation over the next couple of weeks, but I'm really excited to see how they play both those teams.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting that you said that, Kyle, because I was taking a sneak peek at their schedule, right, to just kind of see, because we always think about timing, right? And so it's very interesting and very intriguing, as you just mentioned as well, J.D., and Casey, how, Hmm, now you're two and two, and you're not just the two and two, but you're at the top of the AFC South with your little two and two, right? So, hmm, this might be a stretch that you can take advantage and potentially put some separation there because, like you said, Titans, it'll be very intriguing, but that's very winnable them and based on what we've seen with the Jaguars minus of course what they did against the Falcons very winnable game as well and Browns might give them a little bit of trouble because I kind of look like the next six if you will mm-hmm. I think they can probably take the Saints Panthers and Patriots and so you're talking about a team that could potentially be in position to maybe make some noise probably more as a division champ than say a wild card because I think Uh, Just as we talk about, for example, the NFC South is very, very difficult for a lot of those teams that are kind of middling, even on the AFC side, to try to make it wild card is probably just, hey, let's put our foot on the gas, try to get some divisional wins, if you will, early on in the season, and then put the pressure on the rest of this division to try to actually win it outright. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with this whole Jonathan Taylor story. And, of course, like you guys just broke a little bit of news. We'll be keeping our audience up to date for any developments that happened in Indianapolis or really anywhere around the league throughout the NFL kickoff live show. Now we're going to talk about one of these showdowns of showdowns this coming Sunday where one of those top teams is trying to show you that they're not just a top team. They're the top team. Another is trying to show you that they belong back in the conversation with top teams. We'll talk about it in a minute. But first, if you want to make your life easier when it comes to daily fantasy sports, Jarvis can tell you how the prize picks.
1: People, Jarvis Davis here for Prize Picks. I want to let you know that this episode of of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Prize Picks. It is the most fun I've had winning up to twenty five times my money this football season. You just select two more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. It's super easy. You don't know have to go through the whole season of whether or not you're gonna stressing out about which which well, I'm gonna start this guy, I'm gonna start that guy. This is. Prime easy. All you gotta do, like you said, more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. Testing my skills on prospectus football season. the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. I promise you, I'm in two fantasy football leagues right now, and I am jealous because. I gotta wait until the end of the season to see if i'm gonna win some money nope not with prize picks i'm telling y'all y'all need to jump on this thing right now because they offer weekly promotions that can lead up to big payouts like taco tuesday each tuesday prospects discounts select player projections up to 25 percent to provide even More value. And if you're worried about somebody getting all your information, for all you youngsters out there, they have Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So here's what I want you to do, guys. I want you to go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Yes, $100. Go to Prize Picks, guys. Daily Fantasy Sports, Fantasy Sports made easy.
0: Indeed, indeed. Now, this matchup might be one of those where you need to check out prize picks to help you to determine what it is that you're going to do, because it could actually be a fantasy football bonanza. And of course, we know that the division round for MLB is coming up as well. So it could be a great time for you to check out prize picks to make some good picks for this weekend. Big one in sports now. Going back to the big matchup in the NFL, San Francisco 49ers, like we said before, they've been in that best conversation this entire season from week one, and we haven't relented on that. The Dallas Cowboys are in that conversation if we unremember their embarrassment against the Arizona Cardinals, right? So, do these teams have a lot in common? We'll talk about it on the other side, but first, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker from Locked On 49ers were joined by Marcus Moser of Locked On Cowboys. They're going to debate it, and they're going to look ahead to this big matchup that's coming up on Sunday Night Football.
3: Because I want to see that game where Brock Purdy has to bring the team back from behind and maybe throw from behind a little bit. Now, there's a ton of weapons, but... Uh, we just really haven't had to see him go through a ton of adversity in that sort of a way. And he's passed every test with flying colors. And it just blows me away every week how good he's playing. I'm, you know whether it's you know some early turnovers or or some sort of adversity early in the game, 49ers down. I want to see what that looks like with the 49ers throwing back. Now I don't necessarily want to see it this week against the Cowboys, but at some point that's a test he's got to pass.
4: <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. I, I'm all good with seeing that, just not against the Dallas Cowboys. And I always talk about how I hate watching the 49ers blowout teams because. I'm a football fan before anything else, and I just love watching good football. Blowouts are boring to watch, but please blow out the Dallas Cowboys. I wouldn't mind that at all. Now, as far <laughs> as Dallas Cowboys and either keeping this game close or, you know, potentially winning, you know, a guy we haven't really mentioned a whole lot of is CeeDee Lamb. And I really love the way that the Dallas Cowboys utilize him. I wish that the 49ers would do more of that with Brandon Ayew, putting him in motion, uh, you know, getting the ball in his hands any type of way. I understand the 49ers have a lot of weapons. But C. Lamb, he's a guy, man, matched up against some of these uh, DBs for the 49ers. I think the the matchup kind of favors Lamb. So we're going to need the 49ers' pass rush to start winning a little bit more and have those impactful plays because if they don't, C. Lamb is a guy that can really kind of uh, hit you over head a few times. And next thing you know, he has eight catches for 150 yards and a touchdown.
5: The one guy I'll mention really quickly, Brandon Cooks. The Cowboys have not used him a ton in the first month of the season. That's okay. They didn't bring him in to beat the Jets and the Giants. They brought him in to beat the 49ers because in last year's game, when Tony Pollard went down, it was CeeDee Lamb and basically nobody else. They had nobody else that could stretch the field. I expect Brandon Cooks to get a lot of one on one matchups with the Cowboys to try to see what the 49ers defense looks like, you know, down to their number two, number three, and number
4: four corners. Yeah, and it's. I like it's, that you've two two hundred nine guys. You know I mean? so shout out to DeRon Bland. Right, yeah. Shout out to Brandon Cooks. You know, both from the two hundred nine. Yeah,
3: and uh, I talk about the forty nineers. You know, one of their few weaknesses on the offense is, is that right side of the offensive line, and and on defense, they've kind of not even through four weeks, they're they're still experimenting with the the corners on the opposite side of um, of Charverius Ward, and. Uh, it seemed like they had settled with D'Amador Lenore on the outside and Isaiah Oliver, the veteran, in the slot. But then again, uh, uh, early in the game, they they switched it and they took Isaiah Oliver out of the game, had D'Amador Lenore playing in the slot, and then brought in Ambry Thomas to play on the outside. And then uh, the Cardinals went after Ambry Thomas. So I think there is somewhere to win and C.D. Lamb can win outside and inside there. So. Look for that and, and we'll see if the 49ers continue revolving door between, you know, those three corners. Cause it seems like they're just not confident. They know they like Lenore, but the, the question is, do they want Lenore inside with Amber Thomas outside or do they want Lenore outside with Isaiah Oliver inside? And so that, that's, I think something that teams will absolutely try to exploit, including the Cowboys.
0: Guys, I want to start with something that our guy Brian Peacock pointed out. I thought it was a very interesting comment, and I wanted to hear from you both on it. He talked about this being maybe one of the biggest tests for Brock Purdy, primarily because the Cowboys, especially last week, we saw him get out to a twenty-eight to three lead against the Patriots, and they typically have a fast start. They've had a fast start against um, every you know team they have played uh, this season, of course, except. With the exception of the one team that they smoked. Sorry, Jarvis, I didn't mean to trigger you again. You, I mean, I did, but I didn't mean you, to trigger you again.
1: What pe- was well, <laughs> with you people? What you to me today? What, what, what time see, is like, it? I mean, right? Like, y'all, we're just y'all, just y'all killing me today, T. The
0: facts are that the Cowboys jumped out to a twenty-five point lead. Is that better? But yes, the folks, more important yes. thing is Brian. Brian actually put out there and posed. Can if that happens, right? Does Brock Purdy have the skill set? And can they scheme something to be able to put him in position to bring this team back? So that was kind of something I wanted to hear you guys' reaction to if the 49ers find themselves in a situation where they're playing from behind. I
2: think can that's really, it? I re- I really think that's the key to the game. Do I trust my uh, Kyle Shanahan to push the right buttons, call the right plays? Yes. Do I trust the supporting cast of San Francisco to create plays with the ball in their hands, be that Christian McCaffrey or Brandon Iok or Debo Samuel or George Kittle? Yes. It doesn't just have to be a Brock Purdy thing right now. I think he's, I think he's well-versed enough in the offense that I do trust him to run two minute offense in a two minute offense situation or four minute offense situation to try to execute from behind. But you know, it, it, this game to me, you think about what success both teams have had running the football thus far this year, both offenses have one turnover through four games. Who's going to force that stolen possession? Mm
3: -hmm. Because
2: I I do think it will be so telling, whether it's Dallas or San Francisco, to get put in a position where, hey, you're down two possessions because the ball bounced the other way, which it has not done effectively for either team both here. Mm -hmm. Which team has to get one-dimensional? I think I actually trust the play calling of San Francisco more in that situation than I do Dallas. When you look at what Dallas has done this year, so much of their consistency offensively has been running the ball with Tony Pollard. So, that for me is kind of this divide where we haven't seen Brock have to do it, but I still trust mm-hmm. San Francisco's offense to execute it more than Dallas.
0: But, Jarvis, if, and you know him oh so well, if one Dan Quinn can scheme properly, especially with someone like Michael Parsons to scheme with, do you think that his? acumen and being able to counter punch from the defensive side can actually neutralize anything that kyle shanahan could do to reset his offense
1: yeah and i know you've seen them so. both so you yeah yeah no him. doubt like, like I, I think
0: you're in atlanta like,
1: first of all you know with, with kyle shanahan you know i have the utmost respect with what he does on offense from a play calling standpoint i think he yeah. puts his players in an excellent position to be able to be successful that's why you've been kind of plug and play with the whole quarterback situation so with that being said, though, I really feel like Dan Quinn now has the guys, the dudes, to be able to counter what, you know, a high-powered a high a high-powered offense like the San Francisco 49ers have. So I really feel like, you know, this is a game where we might see 11 lining up every doggone where, like, on the field. Uh, I do believe, like, you're going to see a guy like DeMarcus Lawrence start that really just – establish himself as you know one of the better pass rushers in the nfl so for me i really feel like this is this game is going to come down to who can flourish and and the game last week for the cowboys um against the new England patriots i thought was that was a pretty big game for me because when you're coming off of that that game against the arizona cardinals that was awful right like they lost that game that was a bad loss it was like okay typical dallas cowboys but i think For them to be able to turn it around the way they did and play like they did, there was that that means something. I really feel like that that means kind of pushed them into that that upper echelon in the NFL saying, "Hey, you know, that was just a blip on the screen and every NFL team has them. You know, San Francisco 49ers haven't had it yet, but you know, it's coming. It's coming. Like that just how it works in the NFL. Somebody's always going to have your number. So I really feel like ultimately Dan Quinn and, and company will be able to, you know, be able to counter this offense because and and get them in that one dimensional spot because I really feel like this this Dallas defense, even though you don't know, have Trayvon Diggs is gone is down for the year, yeah. I really feel like they still have something special. There's still something there that they can, you know, use to carry them um, throughout the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. Now, Kyle, flipping gears, our our guys also talked about what they think CeeDee Lamb could do. And they feel like although The 49ers have a formidable secondary, and one of whom we're familiar with, the one Isaiah Oliver, they're playing in nickel. He's pretty solid there. But looking at that secondary as a whole, and I know we're talking CD Lamb here because that's who they reference, but do you feel like, from CD's perspective or just from the wide receiver course perspective for the Cowboys, that there is an advantage versus this secondary for the Niners?
2: Yeah. So I think San Francisco has the opportunity to be selective in how they want to choose to attack CD. Are you going to bracket him? Are you going to take your chances with um, more even distribution and zone match and, and, you know, bring some, some pressures to try and heat up Dak and interrupt the timing that way. uh, I do ultimately think just based on how good this San Francisco defense is. And we've seen this in the playoff games, the last couple years between these two teams, like, Fred Warner's range, I think he takes away a lot of the potential impact if you're looking to fully maximize CD land because of his range in the middle of the field between Greenlaw and Warner, those linebackers in zone coverage over the middle of the field, do such a good job getting depth and taking away those crossing routes across the middle of the field, which is where I think CD has a chance to, to really, Maximizes impact on any given game so I I look at the secondary I like San Francisco's secondary I think they've got a number of really good playmakers but the identity of this defense for me comes back to we're going to play four up front we're going to play zone behind it with seven and we got two freakishly athletic linebackers that if you want to run away from leverage from mm. defensive backs you're not going to find the same success in the middle of the field between the hashes and between the, the numbers like you would against both teams because our linebackers can run faster and they can get deeper than everybody else's.
0: Yeah, that's a great call because, yeah, that linebacker core probably hits different, arguably, than about just about any other oh, yeah. linebacker core in, in the NFL. So, yeah, that's a great call just in terms of how uh, they utilize that scheme and what Steve Wilkes has has to work with. it has got some nice tools, right, Jarvis?
1: Yeah, like I, I think this is, you know, talking about they were folks, guys were focusing on um Ceedee Lamb, but I thought Marcus brought up a really good point when he's he brought in Brandon Cooks because they haven't quite figured out how to get him involved in the offense, mm-hmm. and I really feel like that he's a guy that can be a prime candidate to be that number two guy behind Ceedee Lamb because you know they they move him on the outside, they broke him in the slot, so yeah. he's kind of varied, so you can kind of work around. Schemes and coverages that um, defense might try to throw at you from a uh, from a scheme standpoint, but I really feel like that this might be the game that they. I, I feel like McCarthy is going to have to get Brandon Cooks involved some way somehow because you got to have another option you can go to because they're going to be a, there's going to be a team that they're going to be able to match up really well with with uh, C D Lamb. I know they might be. Crazy to hear, but somebody's going to be able to come out here and say, you know what, we're going to put our guy on CD Lamb, and then the other guy's going to have to beat you. And I think that Michael Gallup, you can't count on him. I think we that's yeah. safe to say, but when you have a guy like Brandon Cooks that you brought in, a veteran, and he's been on a lot of teams, so the guy can, get, can make it pretty quickly as far yeah. as as uh, as far as learning the, the scheme and, and what, what they're trying to do on offense. But I think this is the game where – I feel like McCarthy is just going to have to push that ball to, um, to Cooks if yeah. they are paying a lot, a lot more attention to C.D. Lamb, which is to be expected.
0: Yeah, but I mentioned Michael Gallup last week, like talking about the fact that I was just kind of wondering where he is because you're talking about 13 receptions for 165 yards. To me, that's a bit pedestrian for Michael Gallup for what we know he can do. And I think you make a great point about Brandon Cooks as well. Had an opportunity to talk to him over the years, even when he was getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. And he's just that hired gun. Like you said, he's just plug and play. He's almost like a freelancer. Like you bring a freelancer in because they can hit the ground running. Okay, he's in hit the ground and get him going. And yeah, you can, you need to utilize those weapons. So yeah, I'll be interested to see as well, if they're able to build around uh, those other weapons that they have, should the 49ers be able to lock up a CD Lamb. So now one thing I can tell you guys that we're also always intrigued about kind of seeing how it will operate is Bird dogs. One thing about Jarvis Davis, he's gonna rock his bird dogs. One thing about me, I'm a fan too, and I know KC is as well. But we're gonna let Jarvis tell you guys why we all absolutely love our bird dogs.
1: Hey guys, Jarvis Davis here for Bird Dogs. Want we'll to let you know that this episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Guess what? Bird Dogs are big man approved. What does that mean, Jarvis? big man approves me they are comfortable when i wear i can wear them anywhere i want to for any occasion i'm talking about whether you're going to go hit the links play a little golf or you're going on a first date you're trying to impress you know that that significant other or whatever or are you just trying to go to the pool you can go swimming in them bad boys too because they give you all the support you need down there I know what I'm talking about So yeah I, The bird dogs is where you need to go I promise you They're like super comfortable Like you have to worry about they all bunching up and stuff You know And I'm telling you They throw off Show off your thighs Like too I'm telling you you're going to get a lot more attention once you start wearing a bird dog. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to birddogs.com slash locked on or in a promo code locked on at, at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddog.com slash locked on NFL. Excuse me for a free water bottle at checkout. That's locked on NFL Enter the promo code locked on NFL. And you won't want to take these bird dogs off. I promise you.
0: Like our guy B. Olsen said, because we're all in the cell, KC, J.D. and me, skies out, thighs out with your bird dogs. Love it, love it, love it. (laughs) So anyway, it is time for Sell Me Why. And you know, it's going to take a lot for Chris Carter to maybe sell us, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are four and a half point underdogs against the Baltimore Ravens. And Chris is here from Locked On Steelers to sell us why the Steelers can actually cover that spread.
6: I'm Chris Carter, of the Locked On Steelers podcast. And I'm here to explain to you why the Steelers are going to cover their four and a half point spread. Now, it's crazy. When I was asked to do this, they were at a three and a half point spread on FanDuel Sportsbook, but since then, they have been it's been bumped to a four and a half point spread favoring the Ravens in this game. And I got to tell you, if you're if you're looking to bet on the Steelers, this is your chance because this spread is perfect for the Steelers Ravens rivalry. The last four straight matchups, these two teams have duked it out. Whichever team has won. It's been by a field goal or less. It's been coming down to the wire. No team in this rivalry has won by more than a possession since 2019 when the Steelers had to start their fourth string, uh, rookie undrafted rookie quarterback, Devlin Hodges in Baltimore in the season closing game. This is a bet that I really think that if people look, if people look at this, this favors a lot of different things. Now, I will say this. The Steelers got, are coming off a really tough loss, but they are fired up to play the Ravens. The Steelers and the Ravens, they know how to play each other. If there's two teams in the AFC North that know each other extremely well, it's the Steelers and the Ravens because they build very similarly, they play very similarly, and they look to, to try to win very similarly. Now, the Ravens' defense, they've been playing lights out. They're the number one team as far as yard net, net yards allowed per passing attempt. They're number 17 in large net yards allowed per per, per rushing attempt, but they've also played a lot of teams that were, that were, have been kind of struggling. They were the first team to play Houston, CJ Shroud's first start. He's gotten better since then, but he had a rough start. They played a, a beat up Joe Burrow. They played the Brown second string quarterback and they played Gardner, Gardner Minshew when he started for the Colts and they lost the Steelers. Their losses were to a Houston Texans team that has since heated, heated up and to the, and to the San Francisco 49ers who are the best team in football. My money. I don't know who's going to win this game. I picked the Ravens to win this game on my show, but I do think the Steelers have a very good chance to cover at four and a half points. Take it from Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast.
0: Yeah, I kind of have to go with Chris. I think that the Ravens, and it saddens me, it hurts my heart to say this, but yeah, I think the Ravens are going to win. But I think that he does make a point as well. The Steelers do have pride, right? And Mike Tomlin is not going to let the Steelers just sit by and be beaten up no matter who or what kind of product he has to put put on the field. So I do think that to Chris's point, the Steelers will still at the end of the day, be able to cover the spread, especially because like it or not, Kenny Pickett was just announced as indeed being in for the Sunday game. So he will be there, but real talk, he probably is the best weapon that we have to be able to connect with the George Pickens and maybe make something happen in that offense. So what
1: do you guys think? Matt Canada. Hey, uh, listen ah! up, sir. Um, <clears throat> I need you to get Najee Harris involved in this offense. I understand what Jalen Warren brings to the table. I get sure. it. But, sir, like, <laughs> you brought this man into this. this, You made this man put on black and gold for a reason. The man was an absolute amazing football player coming out of Alabama. And, and you brought him in, had some really good seasons for you. But this year, it just seemed like it's just been weird. Very weird how they're not using this guy and, and exposing his his capabilities and his talents. And, and he just – I feel like Matt Kennedy has not been able to do that. And that's the only way I feel like they'll be able to, you know, cover this spread. And and thankfully, obviously, obviously for him being a full participant, I think that uh, Kenny Pickett is, you know, is giving him the best chance to do that. But yeah. uh, I, I, I want to go into to the defense side of football. I think the defense is like, you know – T.J. Watt up here, you know, struggling against George Fant last week? What what, what are we talking about here? Like, this is not what we're used to seeing then. You got Highsmith out, you know, um, uh, looks like he's going to be out uh, this this Sunday as well. So, all these kind of factors kind of say, hey, you know what? Even though you got your quarterback and there might be a chance you might be able to keep it close, but – if you don't have the other guy uh, on the other side opposite of TJ Watt, who's in an amazing pass rusher, who might be slowing, got slowed down last week. I'm just say that um, this I don't see this happening. I don't see it happening. And I feel like, yeah, I know I just called out Matt Canada, but he probably not listening and he's probably going to continue to do what he's been doing. And that's yep. trying to figure out how to get Jalen Warren to football more. I don't know, Cal. I don't know what I got. I, I got nothing. I don't have anything else on that one. man. And don't forget, <laughs>
0: he's got a, he's got a very viable tight end that always comes up big for him. But yeah, you're Still right. looking you're, for him. Yeah, and exactly. I Whenever team, so I, I hear the, yeah, when I hear the name I'm like, right oh my now. God, he's in the building. <laughs> he's suited up. So yeah, it's yeah. it's a very intriguing thing, but you're absolutely right. You know, Kyle, when I was looking last week, I kind of scratched my head as well. I'm not accustomed to seeing our defensive front, particularly. I'm not accustomed to TJ Water, really anyone in the front seven struggling. Like I saw them struggle and, and, the Steelers can't afford that because they have – I'm going to be nice and call it a leaky secondary. And so, yeah, if, the, if that secondary is who you have to count on to stop the Ravens offense, then, yeah, it's going to be a long day, and covering the spread is going to be a tall task.
2: So what what's interesting to me is Pittsburgh, in their two wins, have forced seven turnovers and scored two defensive touchdowns. They were The, the defense was directly responsible for beating the Browns. They wouldn't have had a chance mm-hmm. in the game without the two defensive touchdowns in that game. They have one turnover in the two losses. Baltimore, their loss against the Indianapolis Colts in overtime, they had two turnovers. They overcame two turnovers uh, against the Houston Texans in week one, but they played the same Browns defense that Pittsburgh, or the Browns team that Pittsburgh got four turnovers against, and Baltimore only turned the ball over one time against Cleveland. So turnovers in these matchups in the AFC East where – Everything's close to the vest. Everything's knocker. Everything's super physical. It's the brand of AFC North football, yes. right? Where no. there's a stereotype for what playing divisional games in this in this division means. The margin for error becoming coming back to turnovers. It's low hanging fruit to point to turnovers as a key to victory for any game, but especially for Pittsburgh
3: mm-hmm. when
2: Baltimore's yielding three point seven y- net yards per pass attempt on defense this year. They're yielding 3.8 yards per rush. Teams are rushing for more yards on average than net yards when they drop back to pass against Baltimore's defense, and neither number's larger than four. Yeah. So, like, y'all going to have to find a script to win the game that's not, hey, we're going to move the ball consistently because I don't trust Pittsburgh to do it. They've been very uh, clunky offensively, and it feels like some of their chunk plays, the the George Pickens plays that are, are very big hitting for them, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how sustainable that they are, especially against yeah. a team like Baltimore. So, yeah. uh, T.J. Watt, Mink, and Fitzpatrick have to win you the game. I think if they want to offer keep this close.
0: I would agree, and yeah, if you're going to do anything, you probably want to go with that 3.8 yards per carry versus 3.8 yards per catch because that is the only way you're going to have any chance against this Ravens team. So we'll see what happens, but a team that is. Looking each week like they're functioning more and more on all cylinders is your Philadelphia Eagles. They've been a part of our top team conversation from day one. They're headed to L.A. to take on the Rams this weekend. They are headed into that game as four and a half point favorites. So Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles is here to sell us why the Eagles will cover that spread.
7: I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to cover it minus four and a half on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams for multiple reasons that have to do with the passing attack. I'm Louie DiBiase, host of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. The Eagles have the advantage on offense. Through the air. Jalen Hurts coming off the best performance he's had this year from inside the pocket. The ball placement he had against the Washington Commanders was on another level. The Rams have lost a lot of talent in that secondary over the last few seasons. Do they have the personnel to deal with a red hot A.J. Brown, a red hot Devontae Smith, and a Dallas Goddard who's motivated to get back involved in this passing offense? I'm not so sure. And then on defense, even without Fletcher Cox, I think this Eagles pass rush is going to overwhelm the Rams' offensive line, who, by the way, struggled to get the run game going. The Eagles are number one this year against the run. Matt Stafford is going to have to pass. Jalen Carter, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, they can pin their
0: ears back and go get the quarterback. Yeah, that's interesting because the, the one thing that I heard maybe louder than anything that Louis said was Eagles pass rush versus Rams O-line. So you know what? I'm just going to leave that right there, Kyle and Jarvis, and I'm just going to let you guys walk through <laughs> that very interesting and intriguing matchup.
2: Yeah, it's it's an unenviable task for L.A., especially when you, you yeah. foil it with the lack of success running the football. Now you're going to get Cooper cut back, it sounds like. And yes. that'll be helpful, but I, I do think this is going to have to be a quick game passing effort from the L.A. Rams to mitigate what the Eagles have with Jalen Carter, who's like a a top three interior pass rusher already as a top 10 pick for Philadelphia and Jordan Davis, as far as defending the run and and his sturdiness that he brings. So uh, that's just the interior guys. But I I think the Rams offensive front, um, you got to help them out. You got to call a certain kind of game. And if they are able to do that, I think this can be a compelling game because I think LA can move the ball. But like finishing, especially when the field condenses in the red zone, I, I think is going to be pretty tough just based on if you're going to rely on quick passing and getting the ball out of your hands. That turns into a rally tackle drill once you kind of get into the condense areas of the field.
1: Yeah. And, and for for me, I really feel like this is if. Like you said, you know, looking like Cooper Cup is gonna be able to come back. I'm interested to see how he implemented back into the offense. I know they might yes. be saying sound I'm like kinda crazy saying. because, you know, yeah. they they're two to at and Puka Nakul have been, you know, excellent yep, for the Rams this out. year. Yeah. So they've been balling out. So I, I wanna I'm interested to see how Sean McVay handled this because, you know, he's the I don't want to say self-proclaimed but like offensive guru quarterback whisperer type guy like remembers every play from 1979 all the way up even though I don't think he was born back then but anyway I I really feel like this is an opportunity to kind of see how he's going to be able to implement this offense and like I feel like Cooper Cooper Cup working in the slot will just will do them some good this week because of the, the 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 issues that you had, you know, up front, you know, obviously not being able to run the football, kind of being one dimensional, trying to figure out how to put some points on the board. They've been pretty successful. They're two and two right now in the division. I mean, in, in, in the, um, in, as far as from a record standpoint, so they've been able to have some success. But I think this game is going to really prove how good Sean McVay is, what Matthew Stafford is going to be, and then, like you said, the implementation of Cooper Cup is going to be vital as to whether or not how they get him going in this offense. And yeah. with all that being said, I don't think they, they, I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, uh, cover this cover the spread in this particular game because of the 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 advantage that the Eagles have. And that interior on the defensive line, I think it's going to be very overwhelming for the Rams offensive line. So I think that this is going to be a game that, we, hey, even though Shyamalan, they might figure it out, it's just going, I feel like it's just going to be too much. Um, the Eagles are just going to be too much up front. Yeah.
0: Now, the 1-3 Denver Broncos will host the 1-3 New York Jets in the battle of the movable object versus stoppable force. Here's Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos to sell you why the Broncos will cover as two-and-a-half-point favorites.
5: The Denver Broncos are two and a half point favorites at home this weekend as the New York Jets, Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, and yes, Nathaniel Hackett come to town. Surely there's some bad blood there here, but I'm Cody Work, host of the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Let me tell you why I think that the Broncos this week will cover the two and a half point spread against the New York Jets. When you look at where both of these teams are at here, both one and three on the season, when Sean Payton made his comments in the offseason about the coaching job Nathaniel Hackett did, It set things ablaze a little bit. It was controversy. People are saying, flex this game. Well, both teams are here at one and three. And for the Broncos, the offense really for them has not been the issue, though they haven't really had a chance to establish the run game because they've trailed in some games. But Russell Wilson is playing some really good football right now for the Denver Broncos. He's the 10th-ranked passer right now in the NFL in terms of yards per game. Right now, the Broncos' offense, 14th in the NFL, averaging 333 yards per game. But they're also tied for 10th in terms of points scored per game at 25. You look at the New York Jets defense, they're allowing 21 points per game here. The anomaly, the difference maker here is going to be here. Ironically enough, the Broncos this season, they've won every single coin toss, though they have not done much with their second half possession because they've deferred every time. If Denver wins the possession here to open up the game in the coin toss, Take the ball and go score. Don't put yourself in a position where you're trailing 7 nothing, and you have to rely on your defense. The Broncos' offense is rolling here with Russell Wilson, and they have much more room to improve, I think, against a very ultra-aggressive New York Jets defense that we've seen. Ben, but not Brank, the number one red zone defense right now in the NFL. If Denver can capitalize on a couple of their opportunities, catch them shots downfield, you're going to see Sauce Gardner and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy Can Marvin Mims, the Broncos' second-round rookie draft pick, get downfield and have some explosive plays? We think that's the case. I think this is a close game and why the Broncos will cover the two-and-a-half-point spread as home favorites against the New York Jets.
0: You know, Cody Rourke mentioned, uh, Taylor Swift mentioned, that is, Bad blood, but I won't try to sing it for you guys. But sometimes (laughs) that can be very interesting and a very motivational factor unto itself. How much do you think that whole Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton thing will play, if at all, into this? Or is this more about two one and three teams that are decidedly different one and three teams and they're about to show you kind of the difference in who they are? Like what's going to be sort of the the top line story for this this game?
1: I think the thing that, I don't think he'll have anything to do with that with this particular game because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the Jets are trying to figure it out. They're still really – they're, they're yeah. still trying to figure it out. Like, man, what are we going to do with Aaron Rodgers? Now, Zach Wilson showed some promise last week. Sure. Um, I w- wouldn't go as far as Chris Collinsworth saying, hey, this guy's is absolutely amazing. This is what we thought. And hey, I'm just like, hey. dude, come. Please, (laughs) (laughs) exactly, Chris. Like I like you as a commentator, but you know, but you just took a a step too far. Like, stop trying to push that narrative. So, I think Zach Wilson still isn't a good a good quarterback. But hey, going against the Broncos, hey, this may be a get right game for him or uh, or for a game that says, hey, I should stick around for for past the trade deadline, you know, and and, and be the starting quarterback for this team. So, I think that whole Nathaniel Hackett. Sean Payton, like they, they probably won't shake hands after the game or they probably won't even look at each other or say anything to each other before the game and all that stuff getting warmed up. But I think the biggest story right here in this particular game is, is whether or not Zach Wilson is going continue, to continue to, hey, show some promise. And what say you, Kyle?
0: Yeah, so uh,
2: I, I'm glad J.D. mentioned Chris Collinsworth acting like. Zach Wilson losing that game against Pat- Patrick Mahomes is the only quarterback Zach Wilson could have possibly lost that game against because it was Patrick Mahomes. I'm losing on, my mind watching this room. I'm like,
3: dude, what is happening?
2: Anyway, anyway I, I look at Denver's defense and giving, I understand you gave up 726 yards in one game, but you also almost given up 1200 yards in the last two games uh, defensively. And that includes 350 rushing yards and then 171 rushing yards. The place and the area where the Jets' offense, I think, has actually started to show a little bit of signs of life is up front on the offensive line with the ability to run the ball. And I think that paired with the Jets' defense being as talented as it is, even though I do think that's a better matchup for Denver is their offense against the Jets' defense, Mm -hmm. I do not like the matchup of the Jets running game against Denver's defense. And I actually think the Jets are going to win this game. Uh, I I think that as long as they are able to sustain some level of stability with Zach Wilson, it doesn't have to be the second greatest performance in the history of football. Like we saw on Sunday night football against, but at the end of the day, if you don't beat yourself, I think you will beat the Broncos because they they can run the ball. No, Brees hall, had, they they came out and said that there's no pitch count on him. Let's give just him. put Dalvin Cook off to the side. I don't need yes. to see any more Dalvin Cook. We'll leave him there. We don't need to watch him tote the rock anymore. Let's mm-hmm. give the ball to Brees Hall 20 times if there's really no pitch count. I think mm-hmm. that's, your best, that's your best recipe for success for the Jets.
0: Yeah, and I think with Zach Wilson, Chris Collinsworth, he's a little over the top. But then again, Joe Willie was as well. Anywho, you want to make your life easier when it comes to daily fantasy sports. Jarvis can tell you how with Prize picks.
1: Yes, listen up, people. I'm telling y'all, yeah, I'll win some money on some daily fantasy sports made easy. It is Prize picks. Guys, guess what? I've had the most fun I've had you know, in my lifetime winning twenty-five times my money this football season. You just select two more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You don't have to worry about, man, I gotta wait sixteen weeks in order for me to get my money to win this prize. Like, oh I can be, you know, winning the winning winning outright in, during the regular season and then next thing you know, somebody gets hurt and my dog on team loses in the playoffs and you don't win any money. Nah. That's not it. This is prize picks. I'm telling you, prize picks is the place to go, people, because you can test your skills. You know, this football season in the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250. I promise you, what type of, you know, those numbers, do the math on that, y'all. I'm telling y'all, y'all get you some money. So here's, prize picks also offers weekly promotions that can lead up to big payouts like Taco Tuesday each Tuesday. Prize picks, Discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So, yes, even more reason for you to go to this website I'm about to tell you about. So, here it is. Go to prospect.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Yes, you heard that right. $100. All you got to do is go to prospect.com slash locked on NFL. Use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 telling you all, Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy.
0: Now, if you happen to be frustrated with some of your fantasy roster this season, you don't have to be because Michelle Majuk has the fantasy advice you need for this week.
8: There are three players that have underperformed either last week or the whole season that I believe you should trust and plug into your starting fantasy lineups in Week 5. First up, it's Jets running back Brees Hall. He gets to face the Broncos this week. I know it hasn't been fun playing Brees Hall so far this season, but Jets head coach Robert Sala did come out and say, that the Jets would no longer be limiting Hall's snap count moving forward, which makes a ton of sense with Dalvin Cook struggling and Michael Carter being just the guy they need to feed the ball to Brees Hall more often. And over the last three weeks, the Broncos have allowed Devin Achan, Raheem Mostert, Brian Robinson, and Khalil Herbert to each put up uh, 22-plus fantasy points against them. Brees Hall has the upside to finish as the RB1 overall in Week 5. And then I have another Jets player on this list. It's their wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, because, again, they get to play against the Denver Broncos. And when you get to play against this terrible defense, you want to start those players. Garrett Wilson's still getting a ton of targets, right? But it hasn't turned into a whole lot because they're coming from Zach Wilson. Well, Zach Wilson looked a little bit better last week against the Jets or against the Chiefs. And I expect him to keep looking better at getting to face this Broncos defense. And the Broncos have allowed Tyree Kill, Jacoby Myers, and DJ Moore to each put up 27-plus fantasy points against them so far this season. Garrett Wilson hasn't been what we expected when we drafted him super high in fantasy drafts, but he should have a monster week in Week 5. Get him into your lineups. And then last up, it's Houston Texans wide receiver Tank Dell. He gets to face the Atlanta Falcons in Week 5. It was a Nico Collins show last week in Houston against the Steelers, so Tank Dell didn't do a whole lot if you did trust him and put him in, but I think you should trust him one more time in week five. Put him into your lineup and I think he will succeed. You have to remember in the two weeks prior from weeks two to three, Dell put up over 215 yards and two touchdowns during that span. And the Texans, I don't think they're going to be able to run very well against the Falcons. They haven't been able to get their run game going all year. They're going to have to throw a ton and likely their all-star cornerback, AJ Terrell, will be covering Nico Collins more often than not. So I do think this will be a game that Tank Dell has a great week. Get him into your starting lineup.
0: Interesting, interesting. I think one of the first ones that stood out for me, and maybe obviously so, would be Michelle's commentary on what she thinks about what The Texans will or won't be able to do against the Falcons. So Jarvis, I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on what Michelle's thoughts are? She actually was leaning, I think, a little bit favorably in terms of what that Falcons run defense can do.
1: Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Like like the Falcons have been really solid against the run. And I think that, you know, Dale might be a good option for you. But I will push back slightly because we saw we've seen Jeff Okuda kind of be that guy that on the other side of um, AJ Terrell to kind of starting to really get into a form, starting to like look like that guy that that, that was drafted so high by the Detroit Lions. So um, I don't know if that's necessarily a good play, but it, from a from a perspective standpoint, like as far as them throwing the football, I really feel like they're gonna to have to throw the football to to get a win against Atlanta. So um for me, uh they, Tank Dell might be a solid play, but I they might be too much big of a risk for me from giving all the information that I know about the Atlanta Falcons and what they do on defense team. <laughs> Kyle, what about you? What do yeah,
0: you
2: I mean as as far as tank, tank Dell and and Houston goes, it's just super impressed with what CJ Stroud has done in the first yeah. month of the season. Yeah. And,
1: Very special. You know,
2: the um the, the second most yardage all time in a player's first four games at the quarterback position, I believe, is, is where his, his four-game yardage checked in. So anytime you have a guy who, you know, he commanded 17 targets in the two games previous to this last game that they just played against Pittsburgh when they won by 24 points. So if Atlanta moves the ball and can put points on the board, I think the more it prompts Houston to have to pass – I think that bodes well for tank Dell to be a play because they very clearly when they've had to be competitive, when they lost and gave up 31 points. And then when they scored 37 points against Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. he's getting the ball thrown his way a lot. So I I think that is a quick connection that those two have, have established. I I know Stroud kind of gave his endorsement to draft tank Dell when, after he got drafted by Houston on the first night of the NFL draft this year. So I, I think that, that production is only going to continue to ascend. So if you're in need of a play, I think that's a good place to look.
0: Yeah, indeed. And, you know, it's interesting because switching gears to uh, the Dolphins game with Dolphins versus Giants, especially looking at what happened with the Dolphins against the Bills uh, this past week.
2: I didn't see the game. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see here right Casey you sure? nothing to see here you sure you nothing, see it, Kyle?
2: It's nothing oh, to see here but sure, like certainly
0: you. Kyle right you gotta you gotta be excited about the potential for a bounce back game uh, for the Dolphins against the Giants but where do you see kind of the biggest reset this week for your team
2: well I, I think this Dolphins defense has to kind of find itself you, you look at the two games that they've played against upper echelon quarterbacks and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen now and they gave up 31 and 48 points mm-hmm. And Vic Fangio was brought in to stabilize this defense and maximize the talent that they have with Jalen Phillips who's missed about half the season so far with a nagging injury so you're, you're sympathetic there but Christian Wilkins was holding out for a con- holding in for a contract extension and has not made the impact that he was supposed to or m- most anybody thought that he would. Uh, Bradley Chubb is a player that they acquired at the trade deadline who played for Vic and had a lot of success playing for Vic. Uh, you, you obviously have Jalen Ramsey who's out, but you still have Xavier Howard and Javon Holland on the back end and cater. Right. Like you have talent. So what gives, what's the deal here? Now I do think them missing Deshaun Elliott, uh, last week against Buffalo, He's probably the biggest winner on the roster for Miami because he didn't play. And there were a ton of dropped coverages and miscommunications. And, and I think that's a, a big win for him. So he was a full participant in practice on Thursday. looks like he's going to play. Start the stack for your next big test because you're going to play games against New York. You're going to play Carolina. And then you got to go to Philly on Sunday night football and play Jalen Hurts, And that's kind of the next one where everybody's eyes are at to say, okay, You almost had a hundred points hung up on you on the last two with Herbert and Josh Allen. What's Jalen hurts going to do? So against Daniel Jones with 60% of your starting offensive line out for this game,
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: look like the team you're supposed to look like defensively. And if you don't, Now we're going to have some really unpleasant conversations
0: next week. Yeah, very unpleasant. So, J.D., we've got about 60 seconds for both you guys. I want to hit just two more games before we wrap up. One of the games I want to ask you about, Jarvis, is Bills-Jaguars because, obviously, we just talked about the excellent game the Bills had last week. Jaguars are actually in their second home because they're, of course, playing across the pond. Who gets this game? Who gets this W?
1: Oh, it has to be the Bills because Jaguars are absolutely – like watching watching paint dry on offense, offensively. Like, this is – this is another game that the Bills are going to say, you know what, we're coming into town and we're going, we're going to do what we need to do. And I think that the way Josh Allen is playing, he's back into that whole MVP-ish type conversation that I feel, you know, early on in the season with the early season blip against the Jets. I think right now this is this is exactly the prime prime example of what the Bills are going to go be able to do like they did the Dolphins last week.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and you've got another... Interesting, I'll just call it interesting and intriguing matchup that we didn't get a chance to talk about, but I think we all know where this is going to land, Casey, but I'm going to ask you about Casey. They take on the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. Are they walking away from that game 4-1? They're
2: going to wax Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the, the Vikings zero chance. loves the blitz. He doesn't have the horses on the back end to do it. I understand the wide receiver production for Kansas City has not been great, but Pat's Pat. You can't blitz pat to that degree. And if you do, you might have success for a couple of drives, but sustaining it for 60 minutes is a really, really tall task. So I I think Minnesota can score a decent amount of points, but I think you're going to see a lot of explosive plays from Kansas City in
0: this game. Yeah, you probably can get what you need out of Justin Jefferson as far as maybe some fantasy points, but that's about as far as that goes. So anyway, we have had so much fun with you guys. Uh, it's just been an interesting Week of interaction, you guys. We, we've been talking back and forth, of course, about what we're looking forward to in uh week five. And for me, I think kind of walking away from week five, as long as we don't get bludgeoned, we meaning the Steelers, I think my life would be okay. But man, if I could come back to NFL kickoff live next week and talk about a dub whew. now, we're really talking about a happy Tanitra. Anyway, for Jarvis Davis, for Kyle Krabs, I am Tanitra Batiste. We thank you guys as always for stopping by NFL kickoff live and don't forget to check out everything on the Locked On Sports Network because if it's your team every day, it's right here covered on Locked On Sports. We will see you next week on NFL Kickoff Live.